Welcome to Hubstaff's Agency Advantage Podcast, hosted by Andy Baldacci. Each week, Andy interviews a successful agency owner who shares their proven strategies to help you build and grow your agency. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Hubstaff's Agency Advantage Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Baldacci. And today for episode number 32, I'm talking with James Carberry from Sweetfish Media. James completely flipped the podcast model on its head. Instead of solely looking at podcasts as a way to build an audience, James has used them to get his foot in the door with potential clients, build a relationship, and then make the sale. James has used podcasts to add over $4 million to his agency's pipeline this year, and he's done the same for his clients in all sorts of different industries. To be honest, this is one of my favorite interviews because it completely shatters my perception of how podcasts can be used, and he also gives a step-by-step process that anybody can follow to do this on their own. There's a huge amount of untapped potential for agencies to use podcasts to dramatically expand their businesses. So without further ado, here's James to tell you how. James, thanks for joining me today. Really excited to be here, Andy. Thanks a lot for having me. Yeah, so when I first kind of started hearing about what you were doing at Sweetfish Media, I knew I wanted to get you on the show, so I'm really glad to have you here. So for the listeners who aren't familiar with you, can you just start by giving us a quick backstory of kind of who you are and where you're at today and how you got there? Yeah, man. So uh, so I've had kind of a, a, a weird career path. I, I moved to Orlando about six and a half years ago to do helicopter logistics for NASCAR, as random as that is. Uh, and so I, I traveled all over the country and went to uh, every every NASCAR track you can imagine. And we helped get drivers and team owners out of the track and, and back to their private jet via helicopters. Uh, and so super, super fun. Got to see uh, a lot of the country and uh, and got to meet a lot of really cool people. And then well, that was my really my first experience working with an entrepreneur. I'd, I'd done the corporate thing uh, prior to that and uh, my first time really working for an entrepreneur. And that's really what what got me thinking like, man, I. I could do this entrepreneur thing that started the the path toward entrepreneurship and then started Sweetfish uh, about a year and a half ago and really just started as a more traditional content marketing agency, had a team of writers. We wrote a lot of blog content and then transitioned into doing uh, the podcast stuff and really kind of re, uh, reoriented our entire service offering and, and what we, uh, how we help our clients now. It's all around kind of producing podcasts for them. So that's the, that's the short version of the story. To dive in a little bit, as much as I would love to kind of talk about how you get started with helicopter logistics (laughs) for NASCAR, but to keep it a little bit more relevant, when you first got into this, I know you said you were experimenting with content marketing, that sort of thing. What were you trying to do for clients at first and kind of how, what tools are you using? Yeah, so it really started, it started with us, um, you know, before, before we ever started doing this for clients what happened was I was trying to get into a very specific vertical market um, with our content marketing service. Specifically, I was trying to get in with church, like church pastors. So pastors of, of uh, up and coming churches that were, uh, they're called church plants. I, I was like, man, how can I reverse engineer relationships with these guys so that I can eventually have sales conversations? Cause I'm not, uh, I don't come from a, a heavy sales background. And I thought, man, I, but I'm a, I'm, I've always been a big proponent for relationships. And so I just started thinking about how I could reverse engineer those. And I thought, man, if I, I, I had done a podcast before called Inspiring Awesome, that was my first kind of foray into podcasts. And I, I knew that like whoever I asked to be on the show, they were like honored to be a 
a guest. And so I was like, okay, well, what if I started a podcast specifically for church planters and, uh, and, and see if I could kind of, uh, get, get my foot in the door with a lot of these church pastors that could eventually pay me money for, for our service. And so, uh, so I started plant better and we went from getting 12 and a half percent reply rates on our standard kind of cold email campaign, which is still pretty good to getting 80% reply rates on our cold emails. When we asked when, when the, when the initial ask was, Hey, want to be on my podcast instead of, Hey, want to buy my thing? It was so drastic that I thought, man, like this, this is it. And so our, our service at the time ended up not being a huge fit for church planners. Um, th- their budgets are super tight and they couldn't really afford what we were doing. And so uh, at that point, I decided to, to pivot altogether and go, man, if, if we could take this podcasting service and actually, because it's really hard, you know, I mean, you're right. rushing it with this podcast. Like there are just a ton of details, uh, things that go into it. And so uh, I thought, man, if we can offer this to B2B companies and producing their podcast for them so that they can just really focus on having these relationships and turning these podcast guests into closed deals, then, then that's, that's going to be where we win. And, and so we, we pivoted in January and, uh, and experienced like 300% growth from wow. uh, in the, in the first quarter from, from doing this stuff. And so that's kind of the, the journey as, as far as that goes. When you're saying that with the 12 and percent response rate, was that just basically explaining who you are trying to get them on the phone or what was that kind of pitch? Yeah. So, so the pitch in the 12 and percent response rate was, uh, Hey, I see you're using HubSpot, uh, cause we were tracking everybody that used, uh, HubSpot marketing automation. Um, so we were saying, Hey, I see you're using HubSpot. I know that writing unique blog content can be really tough. Uh, I've got some ideas for your blog that I think would be really good for your audience. Do you have 10 minutes to chat? And so even in the way we phrased those, I mean, we were getting really good response rates compared to, you know, what a lot the messaging that a lot of folks put out there. So, I mean, a lot of people I think would just be okay with 12 and a half percent reply rates uh, because that's, that, that's pretty good. But that was, so that was, to answer your question, that was our messaging. So I want to dig a little deeper in that because you said a lot of people would be happy with that. And I think you're right. So you talked a little bit about the transition, but it was like, were you driven by like, oh, we can do better. Let's try a different method. Or was it kind of, did it just sort of happen that way when you started experimenting with podcasts? Yeah. I mean, I, I had a feeling that we would get significantly higher response rates. Um, but I also knew it was going to be a lot more work. Like I, I knew that to make your initial ask, Hey, I want to feature you on a show. I knew it was going to be something that most sales organizations wouldn't wouldn't necessarily want to do in house just because I knew from my other podcasts, I knew how much work it was. But when I saw how drastic the uptick was in the response rate, I thought, man, like this is, this is worth the extra effort. There's just so many different ways that you can leverage a real relationship. And so if we can just put in effort on the front end to really create that relationship, I mean, we're, I'm organizing my first mastermind with all my podcast guests from our kind of flagship show, B2B growth. Uh, and, and so I was emailing back and forth with a lot of guys this morning. I mean, so, so taking it to a, an in-person thing now where we're, you know, a bunch of these guys that have been on the show are now flying into Orlando to spend a weekend with, with my co-host and I, uh, in a vacation rental home here in Orlando. And we're going to jam on kind of what problems they're, they're facing, how we collectively as the group can help them overcome those challenges. Uh, there's going to be networking with, you know, within those, you know, 12 to 15 guys that, that end up coming. And that all started with a podcast. And so I just, 
uh, I, I think there's so much power in, uh, in, in being intentional about how we go about creating relationships with people that can ultimately uh, pay, pay us a lot of money. I mean, our, our services isn't cheap. And so, um, so that, that's, that's kind of my, my, my thought on it. Yeah. And you kind of got my mind running a thousand miles an hour, like thinking about that. Like I, you're right that there's so much to do with just producing the podcast. And especially for me in my role, I'm doing a lot of other things at the company. So it's hard to even think about all the other different ways you can spin it. But like, no, that mastermind is, is brilliant. And I know how you, you kind of, use you repurpose it for more content and things like that so i want to make sure we touch on that but i want to kind of pump the brakes so i don't get ahead of myself and so let's let's kind of back up and we'll focus on the sort of the four step process that you use at sweetfish for your clients to basically execute a b2b sales process on their behalf yeah, man. So, so the first step in the, in the four step process is prospecting. And so we have all of our clients fill out uh, a survey and really get uh, granular on who are they trying to serve? Like who are their ideal clients? What industries are they in? What are their job titles? What are the problems they have? Once we uh, get that data from them, we, we start going out and building email lists on their behalf. And these email lists are you know, they're, they're actual prospects. Uh, but the, the trick to it is you want to brand your show, your podcast in such a way where you are positioned to bring on your prospects as guests onto your show. And so, so the first step is prospecting. If you don't nail that part, if you're not asking the right people to be on your show, uh, the show can still be powerful because you're still creating great content. Uh, but it's uh, it's exceptionally powerful if you're creating content and you're simultaneously building relationships with your ideal clients. If you don't have the right people in there, it's like you said, it can be great content, but you want to have that overlap with the prospects who you're serving and with the guests. Exactly. So, so prospecting is the first step. Uh, outreach is the second step. I mean, I, we can, we can get into the, kind of the details on some of these, but there's, there's a lot of nuance. Even when you're reaching out to someone with, uh, you know, an ask to be on your show, there, there are some specific things that, that you want to make sure that you, you do. You, you want it to be short and sweet. You want to have a clear call to action. Get them to say yes or no. You don't, you don't need to explain the entire uh, value prop of the show or, or your audience in that first email. Um, I mean, our, our emails are super simple. Uh, that we send for our show and, and, uh, for, for our clients. It's, Hey, you know, I, I saw your profile on LinkedIn. I think you'd be a great guest on our show. And then in parentheses, we put a link to our show. And then below that, we say, you know, would you be interested? Question mark. So it's, it's very short. It's very pointed. Um, and it makes it easy for them to respond. So, so that's the second step of the process is, is really nailing the outreach. Okay. We'll go through the steps and then we'll kind of back up and I'll ask a few questions to kind of make sure that we, we go into the details. Awesome. So, so the next step, uh, is, is again, this, this, it's pretty intense, everything involved in it, but it's actually the, the production of the show. So I don't know how much of this you're doing, Andy, but you know, it's, it's getting the audio edited. It's putting the standard intro, the outro, uh, going in there, removing the ums and ahs and, and all of the things that need to be removed from the body of the content. In production, we actually consider, you know, writing the show notes as a part of production, uh, getting the content repurposed into uh, a blog post so that you can then put it on LinkedIn, you can put it on Medium, you can start to repurpose this audio content into formats that uh, is more uh, accessible for 
for way more people because not not as many people listen to podcasts as they do read you know articles. Um, so getting it repurposed is is a part of production, uh, and and so those are the those are the big components. You know, even just getting show notes written, written in and of itself is hard. So getting oh yeah getting it turned into a blog post is even harder and, and make sure everything's linked correctly. So, so that's the, the third step of the process. And then the fourth is, is the most important really. And it's, it's following up with each guest and really nurturing that relationship. And so, uh, for, for our clients, we make sure that every guest that's on their show get notified on the day that their episode goes live with links to, to where the show's living on iTunes and on the website so they can then share it. Uh, so we put in a link to iTunes, a link to the website, and then we even put like a shareable, Hey, if you want to share this on LinkedIn, you know, here's the exact copy and the, and the bit.ly link to share, uh, because that's the power in the, the organic reach of, of your show is, uh, getting your guests to share it for you. But the real powerful part, uh, even more so than growing the audience size is, is the adding the depth to that relationship with the guest. And so by giving them, uh, by notifying them when the show's live, that's, you know, that acts as, I think it's like your, your fourth or fifth touch point at that point in the process. Cause you've, you've asked them to be on the show. You've went back and forth to nail down a topic. You've had them on Skype to, to actually do the interview. Now you're, you know, you, you follow up with them, uh, with maybe a thank you gift or something. Uh, we, we do that for our, for our guests. Um, as soon as that they record their interview, we, we send each guest a book that our client suggests. So it, depending on the niche and then sending that guest notification email is like the fifth touch point. A week later, we send another email to the guest, letting them know that the audio has been repurposed into a blog post. And then a week after that is, is arguably the most important one. It's what we call the sales initiation email. And it's really transitioning that guest from a guest to a potential client and starting that sales conversation. So there are a variety of ways that you can frame that sales initiation email and we can get into that later but that's kind of the that those are the those are the four steps prospecting outreach production and then follow up i've had other people on the show to talk about the power of podcasts to kind of build an audience in content marketing in the same way but this while the audience is important you do want to grow you do want to bring listeners in the main focus on this is building a relationship one-to-one with the guest exactly and exactly. that's it's it's totally flipping the traditional way of thinking about podcasts on its head. Right. And especially, I mean, I saw on your site, I think you said, if your ideal client has a lifetime value of 25K or higher, this service was made for you. And when you start thinking in those numbers, like you could have 100 listeners, but if you have one person who you're not, at this point, you're not selling them cold, they know you, they're familiar with you, and you can increase conversion rates even marginally, you're, get, you're getting a real bang for your buck. So I, I want to dive into that, but let's circle back to the beginning a little bit and we'll go step by step. And so finding the prospects, I think, I think that makes sense. If you, if you know who you're selling to, if you know who your audience is, that that's relatively straightforward. We've, we've had a lot of people on the show talking about that, but where I want to talk about more about is kind of how do you contact them and not really just sort of like we send them an email, but I'm guessing you have sort of a a team or a group of VAs or whatever who manage this. Is that accurate? Yeah. So, so we have, uh, for, for each uh, account that we serve, for each client that we have, we have an, somebody in an administrative role and then we have somebody in an account management role. The person in the administrative role is really charged with taking the email list that are, uh, that our SDRs build 
and getting them uploaded into uh, our CRM. That way, we can make sure that we're not uh, we're not sending the same people messages. Right, and just for people who aren't aware, SDR is sales development rep. Sales development rep. Yeah, sorry about that. No, that's fine. So once it gets loaded into uh, our CRM, then that uh, our admin uses a tool called Connector. Connector is uh, it's from the guys at ContentMarketer.io. Uh, and so basically it's, it's similar. There's another tool out there called quickmail.io that we used to use. That's it, what I similar. use, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so it, it taps into your actual inbox, uh, for, for whatever the, the show, whoever the show host is. And so for each client, we set up kind of a dummy Gmail account that's, you know, their first name at, uh, the show name domain.com. Uh, so we're able to control all of that for our clients. Uh, and so the account manager does all the back and forth, kind of the manualness of figuring out the topic and, and what's, what's going to be talked about. But the actual like initial email, we do a three part cadence. So it's a three part email and that's uploaded by the admin who takes, you know, kind of, we have this standard template and we get it loaded into connector. And so does that answer your question? The bigger question I had though, because I think the technical aspect is important because immediately this can get out of control if you're trying to keep track of everything by by yourself. Like it, it's just not going to work. And when I started hosting the podcast, I was really concerned about getting enough guests on the show, and so I just like emailed, sent out like twelve emails. I spent a bunch of time making sure they're personalized this and that. And I was like, all right, maybe I'll get a couple of that. And then all twelve said yes. I was like, oh, <laughs> exactly. okay. Yeah. And you're yeah. right, there is something about it. But most of my guests, they usually have something to promote, not necessarily like a super salesy thing, but they have some sort of resource. They have some sort of guide, a book, or whatever that is beneficial to my audience that they can promote. So when I have that angle where I say, hey, I just saw you put this out. I checked it out. I think it'd be a great resource for my audience. Would you want to come on the show to talk more about that? There's a clear kind of benefit for them. But I'm wondering if, if you're contacting like a senior vice president of a manufacturing company, what is the the benefit to them? Like, why would they get? Why would they be so interested in coming on a podcast? Uh, that, that's that's a really great question, man. And it all depends. Like, we're going after you know for for B two B growth, uh, the decision makers that are you know pulling the trigger on a service like ours. Uh, they're they're a VP of sales, or they're a VP of marketing, or or maybe even they're a founder CEO, and they're typically in in pretty digitally savvy companies. So they either have software products that are, you know, for, for salespeople. So I have the same, a little bit of the same as you, where, where a lot of the folks that we're reaching out to, they have a, a reason to, to, to want to access our audience. Uh, but there are some folks that don't. And, and what I found is uh, there's this, be, because of the novelty of it, because podcasting is, st- it's growing enough where people have heard of it, but they haven't really like, They've never, a lot of the folks that we bring on have never even been, have ever been asked to be on a podcast. So the novelty is one thing. Like it's, this is just unique. Like, oh, like I've, I've never been asked to do this. Sure. Now, a couple years from now when, you know, everybody and their dog starts a podcast and starts asking people to be on the show, you know, obviously, you know, marketers ruin everything and, and eventually it won't be as novel. But the, the other thing that I've found is that folks have this genuine desire to want to like give back to their community professionally. And so, so folks like, you know, that, that have had a 20 year sales career, um, just kind of altruistically want to give back and like share some wisdom. Um, so, so it's a couple different, I mean, you're, you're stroking their ego by saying, Hey, we want to feature you on the show. I mean, if you're, if you're right out of college and you're trying to build a network, um, 
and you're reaching out to a bunch of local entrepreneurs asking them if you can pick their brain over coffee, like I know very few entrepreneurs that would say no to that because there's just almost this altruistic desire to give back. So those are a couple different reasons. I mean, for sure, if they have something to promote that, that they want our audience to know about, that's, you know, the, the biggest reason. But I think the, the altruism and, uh, and just the novelty are, are two other reasons why people say yes. Yeah. And honestly, I have had that and seen that in my experience as well. And you're right. Like it's for those informational interviews of a new grad or anything like that. So it's a good way of putting it. People like to not only give back, but people like to, or at least I like sharing what I know, it, just talking about it, it kind of, it can be a nice break from the day. So no, that makes sense. And, and Andy, like not to, and I also don't want to paint this picture. Like this works for everybody. Like I was on a sales call a couple months ago that ended up turning into a, a, a referral for us, which was great. But the guy was like, man, I'm, I'm trying to reach like the CEO, the like C-suite of big fashion retailers. And so he was like, I don't, I just don't know that the CEO of Abercrombie and Fitch is going to want to be on a podcast. And, and to him, it's like, man, th- this probably isn't, isn't the way to build relationships for you. Like may- maybe that's not the case. I mean, we've got another client that's trying to go after like big, like fortune 50, uh, you know, sea level folks. And, and for those, like, may- you know, maybe it doesn't work. I mean, he, he's still been able to secure some, some really cool interviews, but maybe this isn't the best way to get access to those type of folks. I'd argue that it's better than a lot of things that, that other people are doing to try to reach those folks. This isn't a, a silver bullet to reaching anybody. I mean, uh, but, but man, it sure is, it sure is effective for reaching a lot. Do you have sort of a litmus test of how you evaluate whether or not it's a good fit or is it sort of, you know, it when you see it? Yeah, it's, it's kind of like, you know, it when you see it, I know that that's not super tangible. Um, but if folks are, you know, tr- saying that they need to, they need to meet with the CEO of Verizon, I, I mean, you kind of know, like, man, I, that guy's got bigger fish to fry than, than being on a podcast. Um, another kind of indicator, if, if the companies that you're going after, if they've got to go through 27 people to get approved to, to be on media, um, of any sort, like podcast, radio, TV, like, then, you know, eh, it's probably going to be too much of a, <laughs> like too much of a hassle. It, it may not work for them. And so just kind of be, being cognizant of that. But, but for your listeners, Andy, I mean, folks that are trying to connect with, with a lot of you know local business owners, I mean, you're an agency owner. You, whether you you know build websites or or write code or or, or more on the creative kind of design stuff or, or content creation, like you're trying to connect with local business owners. I th- it's a great strategy for connecting with those kind of folks. Yeah, absolutely. Before we get to that, though, let, let's go to the next step where it's the podcast itself. So you have people they're agreeing to come on the show. Like I'm guessing. You're not doing a sales call. You're not like trying to ask them everything that you need to ask them so that you can then pitch them at the end of it. How do you how do you set it up? Like, what do you look for to make the interview good? Yeah, man. So, so that's that's a great question. So we in the pre-interview, uh, we do uh, a lot of the structure for what the content is going to look like. And so it's I'm so glad you mentioned that, Andy, because the the I think the natural tendency would be like, OK, now I got them on the phone. I got to tell them about my thing. But we are over the top intentional about not doing that and coaching our clients not to do that because we don't actually do the interviews for our clients. Our clients host the show. We just do everything else for them. And so when we're coaching them on how to how to host a great interview, uh, we are making sure that they're not pitching their their service uh, on that call. I mean, it's 
I have yet to have a client that's that's tried to do that. I mean, they get it. Like this is part of a bigger relationship creation strategy. And so, uh, so in in the pre interview, or you can even do this. We we do this for our clients where we set up in the email exchange leading up to the interview, a lot like what you did with me. Like you sent me kind of a, a breakdown of of what you wanted to talk about. Well, we ask our guests because the guest really drives the content. Um, which is which is what makes this a really good content marketing play as well because you're not coming up with content ideas yourself in a silo with your marketing team. You're allowing your ideal client to dictate what you talk about in the content that you produce. And the content that your ideal client wants to talk about is likely content that your other ideal clients want to hear about as well. So it's a simple question. It's, hey, is there anything, uh, is there a particular topic that you'd like to discuss on the show? Uh, you know, our audience is, you know, fill in the blank. And so they they come up with the topic. And then... Do they ever uh, have t- trouble coming up with the topic? Because my hesitation towards that tactic would be that, like, basically in, in my podcast, I reach, I try to make it as easy as possible for the guests to say yes. Do you think it impacts the conversion rate by having them suggest a topic rather than saying, pick one of these three? Or- yeah. yeah, I I I had the same fear. And once once I kind of lay out who our audience is, uh, and, and it all comes back to how you're how you've branded the show. I mean, there's definitely an art to making sure that your ideal client uh, is is positioned to be an expert. Uh, to provide content to your other ideal clients. And so if my ideal client is a is a VP of sales, then I want to bring on other VP of sales to talk about being a VP of sales. Um, or we had a client that was in the senior living healthcare space. And so her show was the senior living uh, CEO show. So you're bringing on these senior living CEOs to talk about different elements of being a senior living CEO to other senior living CEO. So it can get kind of confusing, but when uh, I have not found it to be an inhibitor at all, uh, when I ask people to come up with their own topic, uh, some, I mean, of the 150 some odd interviews that we've done since January, I think I've maybe had less than a handful of folks say like, Oh, I could talk about anything. Like what, what are your thoughts? And then, you know, you, you throw them a couple ideas and then they pick from there. But then the next step to that, Andy, is getting them to get a little bit more granular. So once they pick the topic, it's saying, hey, would there be three to five kind of subtopics that you'd want to want to make sure that we hit on so that we cover everything that you want to talk about? And that's really what gives structure to the interview. So a lot like what you've done with me, you've broken down like, okay, these are the things I want to make sure we touch on. Well, we're, we're kind of doing that except in reverse so we're saying, okay, like around this idea of sales and marketing alignment, for example, what would be three to five things that you want to make sure we touch on? And and again, with that, I haven't found that folks have a problem coming up with that. Uh, sometimes it takes them, you know, if, if it's an email exchange, it'll take them a couple of days to come up with that. But um, it gets them more invested in, in wanting to be on the show because they, they, they've put in a little work. And I totally agree with you. Like you want to make it as easy as possible. But um, I found that it gives them a little bit of buy-in. When they, when they know that they're really getting to, to drive the content for their episode. Just with sort of the technical questions, like how are is it, these usually for your clients? Are they weekly podcasts? Because I know you recently, for B2B growth, you switched to a daily podcast recently, yeah. right? 
Yep. Yep. So, so we've got a couple different options. We, the bulk of our clients are doing weekly shows. Um, we've got, uh, we've got a package where we do eight episodes a month, 12 episodes a month, and we actually just released uh, a really high end, uh, package that's, if you want us to produce a daily show for you and create 30 relationships a month, we, we have the capacity to do that. There's a little bit of variance, but the bulk of our clients, uh, you know, because we're, we're just getting started and we're, and I imagine, uh, that our existing clients will start seeing really cool results and start having us do more and more uh, as as the service matures and and as we've been around for a little bit longer. Yeah, and I want to take a little bit of a sidebar and ask you, like, what is it like doing the daily podcast? How has that changed in terms of like the sheer amount of work, the sheer amount of people you have to be inviting? Like, how and the results you've gotten from that? Can you speak to that a little bit? It's. I mean, it, we're we're positioned very well to do it because we already have the infrastructure in place from a team standpoint. So all I do is the interview. So, you know, where, where, uh, a lot of folks kind of doing this internally, I was just on the inside sales.com podcast last week and, and those guys are doing a lot of the work themselves. I mean, they just launched the show and so they're having, you know, the right show notes and get it uploaded into WordPress and get it into Libsyn and doing all that stuff. But because we're doing this for our clients and so we've already got admin folks, we've got account managers, we've got graphic designers, we've got uh, folks that do every piece of the puzzle, we just kind of eat our own dog food and use our own process for our show. And, and it really has tested our bandwidth as a team because we have a seven-day-a-week show. There's a lot – there like – there's a lot of things that you can be laxed with with a weekly show, but when you when you start to turn the volume up, uh, your your cracks get exposed very quickly. And so our transition, man, from from five days a week to seven was hard. Like we, it was. It, I mean, you you would think it's like you're only changing from you know five days a week to seven days a week, right? Maybe it was three days to seven days. That that probably makes more sense because it's a more significant change. And man, it really pushed forcing me to really nail down our processes and make sure that our workflows were tight because getting a show out every day is, is stinking hard. Oh yeah. This brings us into the kind of the next part of the process is the repurposing the content as blog content and, and everything else. And so for the more, the average client who is doing a weekly show, what does the process look like to repurpose the podcast content? Yeah. So, so we've got, we've got a, an audio engineer that does all the audio stuff. And then we've, the account manager handles the show notes. Then we've got, because we were a content marketing agency, uh, before we've, we've built up a network of, of writers. And so we've got a team of content writers. And this is, this is the cool part is our writers don't have to be versed in the industry of our clients because the, the interviews themselves serve as the, you know, the, the body of the content. And so, our writers basically listen to the audio and if our clients have structured it well in the pre-interview and they've said, Hey, what are the three to five points? Then it makes it relatively easy. I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to degradate the, you know, what, what our writers do. Like it's, it's definitely a talent, um, to be able to do what they do, but it just makes it so much easier when you've got a roadmap right in front of you and you're just listening to the content and then, and then taking that content and turning it into written form in a way that's easily digestible as opposed to like just a transcript or something from, uh, you know, from, from a certain, you know, there are a lot of services that do that. Right. So how, how would the, the content the writers generate, how would that differ from just regular show notes? Yeah. So a show notes, show notes for us 
are pretty standard uh, three paragraphs, so one to two sentence paragraphs uh, with a really with a standard call to action at the end. Like, hey, if you if you like this show, you can subscribe on iTunes or find uh, you know if you don't use iTunes, find the rest of our content on here, and it's a link back to the site that has all of the episodes in one spot. Um, so that's our show notes. It's very very high level, uh, and then the blog posts. Uh, are typically 750 to 1,000 words, and and it really goes dives deep into each element of what the guests talked about. And so those those kind of three to five subtopics really get extrapolated in the in the blog content, and then the writers put you know a really clean intro and a nice conclusion on it as well. So it turns into being uh, a really great piece of content. And and by the end of the month, you've got you know anywhere from from three to four thousand words of of content that's fresh on your blog. Are you publishing that? I know you had mentioned on LinkedIn and Medium and that, but like as a standard, what would you recommend to clients to publish the content just on their blog or how do you guys usually do it? Yeah, so I would I would definitely get it onto your blog or use it as guest posting material. So that's something that we've uh, we actually have another podcast called The Content Marketing Show and Paige Southard, she's the managing editor for B2B Growth. So she's uh she kind of assigns content to writers. She writes a lot of the content herself. Um and, uh, and so she's now interviewing other folks that are, that are crushing it with content. And so she's creating her own relationships with these bigger blogs. And so the content that we're putting together, uh, for, for our stuff, um, we've now got uh, this huge bank of content that she can now go to all these new relationships that she's creating with larger blogs and start to say, Hey, like, would you, we, you know, we, we just did this interview with such and such, uh, yeah, I think it'd be great for your audience. Do you want us to 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 write a post for you? Uh, and so she's been getting really good results with that. So from I mean, I, I would say you know use it for for guest posting. Use it if you can't find a place for it to live on somebody else's blog and get a backlink. Then I would say post it on your own blog. Um, you know, like I mentioned before, LinkedIn, uh, Medium. I'm a contributor for for Huffington Post. Uh, I write for Social Media Examiner and, and Business Insider and a lot of different sites. And so, if I if I think it's a fit for one of those, um, with Huffington Post, they don't care if it's been purpose or if it's been used somewhere else. So you can write there. So for the for the folks listening that maybe don't have a plethora of places to run to, I mean, I you know de- definitely put it on your own blog if you're not going to implement some sort of a system where you can start creating relationships with, with, uh, with bigger blogs to get it on there. I guess my first question, which you sort of answered would be, do you position it as, because they're not necessarily your words. A lot of it is the content that your guest has created. You've done the work of putting into a blog post, but I was wondering how you pitch that. If you, if you pitch that as an interview to the guest post source or anything like that, it sounds like, yes. Yeah. So, so we, we, we let them know that it's an interview based, you know, that, Hey, we did an interview on our podcast with so-and-so some folks like original content. And, you know, even if it's been created somewhere as a podcast, they would rather have us write original content for them. So with some, depending on the blog, but, but some, you know, most folks don't care at all. And so, we make sure that we give credit to and, and we give a backlink to uh, whoever we interviewed in the intro. So we're, we're very clear with, hey, this content came from, you know, so-and-so from XYZ Corp. Um, here's what they had to say about this. Boom. And then so, so we're making sure that we're giving credit where to do. And then we're also making sure that we're positioning it with the blog that we're posting it on, you know, where, where this content originated from. And I'm guessing in those cases, when you do, when you are able to post sort of the the resulting blog content on another blog, I'm guessing that the the guest 
that's a huge bonus for them. Exactly. Exactly. Particularly, I mean, I, I didn't even, I couldn't plan this any better, but w- with me being a contributor for Huffington Post, when we tell a guest that we got them on the Huffington Post, I mean, they freak out. <laughs> it's awesome. So, I mean, for, for the folks listening, like it would be worth trying to jump through the hoops of trying to get in, fr- in front of, you know, some editor at a larger publication, just because the relational equity that you get with someone, with one of your guests that you're ultimately trying to do business with, if you can go back and tell them like, hey, I featured you on, uh, on, you know, my weekly contribution to Inc or Business Insider or, you know, Huffington Post or, or wherever, like, um, it's, it puts you in a different category. I mean, I, it's, it's really been a game changer for me. Yeah, there was actually a cold email I got. Well, uh, everyone at our company basically got that, so it wasn't a great cold email for that reason. <laughs> but like one of the the lead ins was basically that they were a contributor at Inc. Wanted to know if we wanted to get on a call to talk about X, Y, and Z. And they mentioned like, yeah, it could result in a post on Inc. or something. And so they did it in sort of like a transparent way, which wasn't so great. But I. Even despite that, it seemed like a great opportunity because of the publication that it would get us at least potential access to. Yep. And and it's it's worked for us that way too, man. I mean, we just got featured in Inc. a couple of weeks ago because one of the guests on our show is a contributor there. And so we brought him onto our show. He, you know, he was a prospect for our service, but he was also an opportunity for us to uh, you know, get, have, write some content for him for ink so that he can, cause he's trying to get, you know, eight, eight articles a month to ink to fulfill his commitment to them. Uh, and, and so in that we get, we get obviously get a link back from ink and can say that we've been featured in ink. And, um, and so, so it, it, you know, it, it works that way too. So there's just so, like I said, there's so many ways that you can leverage relationships. Um, once you have them, it's creating them the tarred and, and that's why the podcast makes it, makes it so much easier. Right. And so you're, you're creating this content, you start with the interview and then you're repurposing it. What is the communication like between you and the guests at this point? Are you, you're keeping them in the loop? What, what's sort of happening to develop the relationship? Yeah. So, so it's, uh, th- We've been, we've actually been working on this internally. Like, what do we do? Cause we've got, we've got now a queue of content that's like a month and a half deep. So we're sitting on like 45 episodes that won't go live for, you know, some of them until August. Like I'm having to tell guests like, okay, the, the episodes recorded this morning, like the second week of August, look to hear from us. And so we're like, okay, this is good. This is a problem because we've dialed in our prospecting and our outreach. Uh, to a to a degree where we're getting a lot of people to say yes on the show, but we don't want to lose them from the moment we did the interview to the time that their episode comes out. So uh, uh, there there are a lot of things you can do. I mean, it just gets fun thinking through them. But leaving reviews for folks on LinkedIn. I mean, who doesn't want a pot? You know, a a good, uh, you know meaningful review on LinkedIn. So that's, that's one way you can do it. Um, we're putting together these mastermind events now. So being able to reach out to folks and maybe their episode hasn't gone live yet, but they've been on the show. So I can ask that, Hey, we're putting together a mastermind in October. Would you want to be a part of it? You can make uh, introductions to other folks that have been on the show. Uh, so that's another way that you can kind of stay engaged with them, uh, between the time you do the interview and the time their episode goes live. Uh, so there, I mean, really it's just, it's, it's as creative as you want to be. Um, and, and I think being in the mindset of thinking, how do I add depth to this relationship? If you just, if you just give it a little bit of thought, it, you'll come up with a lot of different ideas. 
Hold that thought because we're going to take a quick commercial break. But when we come back, James is going to answer the question I know many of you have right now. When do we go for the actual sales call? It's a good question. It's something you really need to tread carefully with. So just hang tight because we'll be right back. The Agency Advantage podcast is brought to you by HubStaff. Now, HubStaff makes time tracking software for remote teams so you can stop tracking time with spreadsheets or napkins or whatever else you might be using and start getting the insights into how your team is spending their time that only screenshots and in-depth reports can give you. Our best clients are agency owners, and while they love the accountability that comes with the screenshots and app and URL tracking, where they really find the value is by being able to connect HubStaff with their project management tool to see what tasks are taking up their team's time. Think of it as Google Analytics for your team. Now, if you're thinking about launching your own podcast or any marketing effort, really, you need to make sure you fix any bottlenecks in your business so you actually have the time to make the effort successful. So head over to hubstaff.com today and sign up for a free, no credit card required, 14-day trial to help you streamline your agency. All right, let's kick it back to James. You're almost give, getting me in trouble because now I have way too many ideas of things I, I have to, to change <laughs> in my own processes. But it's good, though. It's good. But what I'm thinking about is at what point you're, you're cultivating the relationship, you're nurturing it, you're deepening it by providing them more value and doing things like that. I think that's basically textbook perfect. I don't like calling it networking because it, but it's the same type of relationship building tactics that they work, but they work for a reason. But how do you then go, get from that to like, hey, let's talk about buying my stuff now? Yeah. No, that's a great question, man. That's a great question. So two weeks after their episode goes live, so after we've notified them that their uh, episode has turned into a blog post, uh, two weeks after that, we th- we actually craft this email for our clients. We work with them on it, but um, because it, it it's very much an art, and so uh, you you can go a couple different directions with it. Uh, one way to go is. Um, is whatever your service is trying to trying to come alongside them and offer them some sort of advice as it relates to your service. So one of our clients is a is a marketing shop. They do a bunch of it's like they're they're your outsourced CMO. So a lot of digital marketing services. So they do a lot of consulting around marketing strategy and different tactics that are working. And so for them, the email looks like, hey, so and so, since we've had you on the show, we've been checking out your brand. Really like what you're doing. Uh, would you uh, would you have uh, a few minutes next week, I'd like to share some some ideas that we're uh, that we're seeing working with you know some of our other clients that I think could really be effective for for you. Uh, you customize it, obviously. You know, you put in their their brand's name, and so you lead with, "Hey, I want to add some value to you by giving you something that's very directly related to my service offering." So you're not directly asking them for their business in that email. You're just trying to get them on the phone call again in a context that's not a podcast interview where you're going to add, add some real value in a way that your service would, uh, would add that value. And so we've got another client that they build e-commerce websites. And so for them, it's, Hey, so and so, you know, ever since we've had you in the show, we've been, we've been checking you out. Uh, I've got some ideas that I think could help your homepage convert a little bit better. Do you have uh, some time to chat? And so it's, it's, it really comes back to my roots of like sending that email to those HubSpot users and saying, Hey, I've got a blog post idea that I think would resonate really well with your audience. It's that same sort of mentality. Like, what is your service offering? Like, what are you, what are you offering to the market? And what's a free me, like, what's a free version of how you can add that kind of value in a sales context that gets them, gets you talking about 
uh, what it would look like to possibly work together. Uh, some some folks are using us for to build referral partnerships, like re- uh, referral partners. And so, um, you know, we've got we just brought on one one client who their sales initiation email is going to look something like because they're doing a variety of referral partners plus ideal clients, and so. Kind of the standard sales initiation email is going to be, hey, so-and-so, um, you know, uh, have, have really loved checking out your stuff since we've had you on the show. I've got a couple ideas on how we could possibly work together um, on, on a couple different projects. Would you, would you would you want to jump on a call? And and I've just noticed that because you're piggybacking off of having an actual relationship with them and so many, I mean, they're very – I'm honestly trying to think, Andy, if we've had one person that has not responded to that email, and I don't think we have. And because what I wanted to to ask you about this was a big thing in my head, just like talking to you, like going through the process, doing it on my own end. I know that while you might have, I don't want to call them ulterior motives, but while you might have ultimate goals that do result in money changing hands during the process, when you're actually in there. It is personalized. It is relationship building. It is genuine. You are providing value. But do people ever kind of see, not through it, but do people ever not see that and see it as a bit disingenuous? Like, oh, you only had me on the podcast so you could sell me something. Yeah, man. That, I mean, that's something that I've wrestled with a lot because I, I that's the last thing that I would want to be perceived. I, I, the, the last thing I would want to be perceived as is somebody who's just trying to like um, – just backdoor their way into a relationship and kind of doing whatever it takes to do that. Uh, and, and so it's so contingent on you genuinely adding value to that relationship. And so that's why we don't, we try not to mention anything about our, I mean, a lot of the folks that have been on our show st- don't know what we do um, because we don't say podcasts on our website strategically because we feel the real value is relationships. So we want to sell you on the you know, fact that you need more relationships, not that you need a podcast. Um, and, and, I, so the folks that haven't made it to that part of our uh, of the of our funnel yet, um, they still don't know what we do, and and we we because we want to add as much value as we can. Um, so by the time we do bring it up, like oh, this is what we do, you kind of almost hear like oh, like that makes sense. Oh, that, it worked on me, yeah. like it worked on me perfectly. But it's almost like it, you're proving it to them in that it worked on them, like. We're sitting here on this conversation right now because I had you on the show. There's an art to it, and that's why we do it for people because there are a lot of ways that you can screw Right, this up. and I think that's um, important to talk about because that's the thing. It's like if you don't realize that at the core of this, this relationship building is being genuine, yep. then you probably could upset some people because it would be transparent. Yep. And you, you tarnish your brand mm-hmm. and you'd have people say like, oh, this guy's going to ask you to be on a podcast. Like, don't say no. All he wants to do is sell you something. It allows the folks that really have a good heart in it, Andy, to expose that. Because when you sit on an interview with somebody for 15 or 20 minutes, you could fake it for sure. But like um, if, if you really have good motive, good intent, you're, you're really trying to create good content for your audience at large. You're really trying to add value to the person you're talking to. That's that's going to come through. Uh, in your in your exchanges leading up to the interview, during the interview, after the interview, um, that's in, in the kind of content you're putting out on social media. Uh, you know, we you want to make sure that you're connecting with these folks on social. We connect with you know definitely connect with all of them on LinkedIn. Well, I've even started you know friending them on on Facebook, and a lot of folks have you know we're we're now friends on Facebook. So getting to engage in that, I, you know, I know that that's all that's taboo to a lot of business guys. Are like, yeah, oh, no, like. 
you can't do that. That's wrong. And, and I've, I've said, Hey, like I, I want a genuine relationship with this person. And that means liking their photo of their family vacation. Like I'm going to do that. But I, I completely get that that's, that's a part of the thought process. And if you're not over the top conscious of that and fighting to combat that by, by being so genuine and like genuinely wanting to add value to them, then, uh, then yeah, you, you're, you're going to screw it up and people are going to see right through it and, and it's going to be counterproductive. No, that's perfect. And I really hope that listeners kind of take that to heart and, and realize that, that these techniques are very powerful to sort of reverse engineer a foot in the door. But if the relationship's not genuine, it, it won't work and it will, it will, it can hurt things rather than help. To get to the next topic, we, we mentioned this a bit ago, but it's using this strategy in local markets. Because if I'm sitting here as a web designer in Omaha, and I've focused on local businesses. Like I'm seeing like, why would a podcast work for Omaha local businesses? Like that's crazy. But I think your, your results, your experiences have been a little different. Can you share yeah. some of those? Yeah. So man, uh, we're actually building out our, our sales team using this same methodology. So, um, so with, uh, to, to use your example, the, the design shop or the, the web shop in, in Omaha, Nebraska, I mean, starting a podcast called business in Omaha and then going out to each of these uh, small business owners in Omaha and saying, hey, I'd love to feature you on my show and talk about your business and and why you love Omaha, why you love doing business in Omaha. Um, adding that local flair to it uh, even gives you that much more of an edge of getting that person to, to come and spend 15 or 20 minutes on, on a Skype call with you. Uh, and the added benefit of it being a local show is you have now the opportunity – uh, where where all of my interactions are done virtually because we're interviewing people all over the world. But with a local show, you can go and meet them in their shop. Like so instead of the, you know, instead if you don't want to turn your content into a blog post, instead of sending the, you know, the, the blog post notification email, send an email that says, hey, I'd love to go to lunch with you. Like the, it's not creepy because they've already spent 15 minutes on a Skype call with you. Um, and so, so with our sales team, we're actually starting a series of shows. We just launched our first one. It just went live. It's called Orlando Success. And our, uh, our second sales guy is, uh, is, is kind of overseeing the, the central Florida area. And, uh, and he's starting to bring on folks onto our Orlando Success show. And that's going to be the exact same thing he's doing. So, so I, 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 we, you know, it just launched. So I can't, I can't show like, I can't tell you that, um, you know, the exact results yet, but I already, I, I know it's going to be successful because it's been so successful for us virtually that when you start to, when you apply it to a local context, with the, which a lot of your listeners uh, would be, would be using it for, uh, it just makes that much more sense. Yeah. It's almost when I, when I first thought about it, it seemed crazy to me, but then when I thought deeper about it and heard some of your responses, like it almost is more powerful because one nobody else is doing something like that at all. Like they really aren't. And so you're going to immediately stand out. But two, like you, it's almost within reason for smaller cities, you can, you're almost going to become like a mini celebrity. Like you're the guy that everyone wants to know. Like everyone, you know, everybody like it for local business. I see the power is just enormous. It's huge. And even like talking about masterminds earlier, like, how much easier is it? Like I've got to talk these guys into flying to Orlando to come be a mastermind and like to add more depth to our relationship. But if you're in Omaha, like you could do these things every month. Like you can plan meetups. You can, I mean the, the, the endless possibilities that you can do, uh, once you have relationships with your ideal market. Um, I mean, it, it's, it's endless, man. Oh no. I, I would love to talk forever about just that little angle. 
But in the the concerns of time, we'll, we'll go on a little bit. So what I want to talk about um, before wrapping things up is what is this process like for your clients? So like you mentioned that they just do the interview, but are, are they given like research? What What is it like for them? Yeah. So, so we go through uh, kind of a, a coaching call on the front end to go over kind of all of our best practices for what we've learned about hosting a podcast and, and, uh, and how to structure a pre-interview and, and how to make sure that you're, uh, you, that you're really engaging your, your listeners. And so we go through that and then really it's it, because we're doing all of the legwork and all of the follow-up stuff. Um, the, the client is responsible for actually hosting the interview because that's an integral part of the relationship building process is to have that, you know, 15, 20 minutes on Skype with your ideal client. Um, and then they also, uh, ha- have to approve the list of folks that we're going to be emailing for them every month. And so that, that tent, you know, that can be a bottleneck if you don't make it a priority and you don't approve that, that list where they're going to be sending emails to people that aren't necessarily in your ideal customer profile, which is not good, or we're not sending any emails at all because we don't send out those emails until you green light it. And so those are kind of the two pieces of the puzzle that we can't do for you because we we don't know your business as well as you. And and hopefully, ideally, you know, they're, they're giving us feedback along the way. Hey, we don't like leads like this because the company they work for is too small or, you know, they're in this role instead of that role. And and we we cater our prospecting based on feedback. And so ultimately, hopefully you don't have to do a whole lot of editing at all to the list we send you. Um, but but the biggest part they do is is the actual interview, and then as soon as that interview is done, they just hand the audio back over to us, and then our team takes it from there and, and does all the editing and show note writing and blog post writing and and notifying the, the guests and and all that stuff. And then as soon as we get responses from the sales initiation email, as soon as they say, "Yeah, I'd love to set up a time," we forward that on to our client, and our client picks it up from there and gets a gets a time scheduled to actually do the sales call. So it really, is pretty turnkey. Yeah, because that's the thing is if listeners don't know, like it's not as simple as just jumping on Skype, taking a call and then putting the recording out. There's a lot that goes into this. And you even now, there's so many things that I'm trying to figure out. You're like trying to make a better process for it. But there's a lot. And when when you're trying to run a business, when you're trying to run your agency, it's hard to even like think about adding something like this. So I'd really suggest at least considering those services. And if you don't necessarily for smaller agencies, if you don't have the money to invest in having someone else do it, at least take some, a ton of notes on this episode, re go back through it, take some notes on because the processes will save you hours and hours of time every single week. Yeah. I could keep talking to you for hours, but we can't, unfortunately. <laughs> but so if listeners want to hear more from you about this, where should they go? Yeah, so they can go to sweetfishmedia.com. We've got an opt-in on our site. You'll see it at the at the bottom. If you're on desktop, it's the bottom right-hand corner and it's you know, how to how to add 1.2 million dollars in pipeline revenue to your sales pipeline uh, in less than 90 days. And so you can sign up there and basically have all of a lot of what we talked about and even more uh, packaged up into a PDF and, and you can kind of look through and, and see that we even go into the tools that we use. So so if you're a smaller agency and you want to do this on your own, uh, definitely check that out. Just go to sweetfishmedia.com and, uh, and you can get access to that. Awesome. And the last thing, you said $1.2 million in 90 days. And that's based on your own experience scaling up Sweetfish Media, right? Yeah, exactly. It's been a bit longer than 90 days since you guys started. Do you have an updated number? 
Yeah. So, so right now, I think we've got four point seven million dollars in our pipeline. And like I said, because our services, you know, we're at the low end. It's thirty five hundred dollars a month to work with us. Uh, and so it's longer sales cycles, but like just, just this, uh, it was actually last week, Monday, we did an interview with someone and Thursday, they ended up closing the deal. So, so sometimes it's a super fast sales cycle. Sometimes it's not, but our content that's come out of it has actually been what's surprising to me. Uh, the, our inbound leads have, I mean, we went from getting probably three to four inbound leads a month to getting three to four inbound leads a day since we started this because we're putting out so much content now. Obviously, if you're just doing a weekly podcast, you won't see that kind of drastic result results like we have because we've gone to seven days a week. But the content definitely helps in driving inbound traffic uh, because your your ideal clients are, are incentivized to share it on on their social networks and stuff. So I almost downplayed the inbound effect that it would have. Uh, but we've closed more deals because of inbound than we have, you know, through the relationships that have been on the show so far. Wow. No. And James, honestly, this has been so amazing. I'd love to keep talking with you, but I have to let you go. Um, you have me building a laundry list of a thousand things I need to do for my own podcast. So thanks, but I'm also a little mad at you for that. But anyways, James, I'll let you go. Thank you so much for chatting today. It was a great time. No problem. Thanks a lot, Andy. That interview really changed how I think about podcasts and marketing in general, because when it comes down to it, Digital agencies are built on top of strong relationships with clients, and having people on your podcast is a great way to start those relationships. Instead of doing what everyone else does and immediately trying to get a prospect on the phone so you can start pitching them, you get things started by continuously providing value to them before you even think about talking about your services. This is a concept that's so powerful, but James puts it together in a system that makes it really easy to understand. First, build a list of prospects based on who you serve best. Be as specific as possible by narrowing in on things like industry, job title, and what sort of problems they're facing. Second, reach out to those prospects with a short pitch as a clear call to action with the goal of getting them to say yes or no to coming on your podcast. Then, host the podcast. First, you need to coordinate the scheduling with the guests and interview them, but afterwards, edit the audio and create the show notes and everything around that. And finally, once you've done that, Follow up and nurture the relationship by continuing to provide value even after the interview. Then, when the time is right, offer them value in the form of how you can help them and get them on the phone to talk about that. This takes time and effort for sure, but if you're looking for a way to build a real relationship with your ideal clients, I can't think of a better way to do it at all. And that's all I have for you guys this week. If you got something out of this show, please head over to iTunes and leave a review. Reviews are the best way to improve our rankings there and help build our audience, so it'll be a huge help if you spare just a minute to do that. Thanks again, and I'll talk to you next week. See ya.